hey there, everybody, and welcome to Coffeehouse Questions. This is Ryan Polly. Now, this week, I was able to record three new videos for the YouTube channel, three new questions of the day, questions that my, stu- my high school students are asking. And one of those questions was, why does God make himself so hard to believe in in the eyes of sinners if he wants us all to be saved? Why is it so difficult sometimes to know that God is there to believe in him when he wants all of us to be saved? Shouldn't he just make himself more obvious? And I, and I responded to this in a short few minutes, and after getting done, I went, wow, I need to talk about this more, and so I want to talk about it on the show this week. Now, if you're not following that YouTube channel, other videos that I posted this week was, does the Bible approve of polygamy? And then also, how do we discover our strengths? Right, and so my YouTube channel is not just for apologetic questions, but it's just questions that my high school students ask me. And so one student is trying to figure out what what am I good at? What are my strengths? How can I discover maybe what I should major in and what I should kind of do with my life? And so those are three new videos that went up on the YouTube channel this week. And so you can find those. Just go to YouTube, search Ryan Polly. It should pop up. Uh, you can also follow. I post them on Instagram as well at Ryan Polly three. Twitter at Ryan Polly three as well. Um, and those are ways that you can connect and follow. Also Facebook slash coffeehouse questions is another great place to do that. And so we're going to be discussing one of those questions that I talked about this week. Now, before we jump in really quick, two events that I want to make sure that you guys are aware of. The first one is the Maven Conference. This is March 22nd and 23rd at Christ Community Church in Laguna Hills. This is a great opportunity for anyone working with students to, to learn how to better train and prepare the next generation. And so if you are in the Laguna Hills area, you can go to mavenconferences.com, that's plural, and check out more information there. Also on April 5th, I will be down in San Diego giving apologetic talk. It's actually a really cool event I'm looking forward to. It's two hours. The first hour will have three 20-minute presentations. And so one guy's going to go and he's going to give a presentation on science and faith. Then I go for 20 minutes on culture and faith, looking at entertainment culture. And then finally, the last guy will go reason and faith. And then we will spend the next hour doing a panel Q&A. So that is down in San Diego at the Chinese Bible Church of San Diego. If you want more information, you can always contact me. Contact at Coffeehouse Questions is a place to email. Also, text in those. Uh, you can also text in your uh, questions or any comments that you have at 714 989 so hopefully check out one of those two events if you're in the Laguna Hills or the San Diego area. Also know that if you are not in the California area, I do travel for speaking events. And so you can always go to the contact page there at coffeehousequestions.com, uh, fill out a speaking request form, and, and I would love to come out and talk to your group. So now jumping into our topic today, why does God seem so distant? I think that this is a really good question. Right, because and it's a question that I've wondered a lot about. Because if God does want all people to be saved, why doesn't He just reveal Himself to everyone? Why would He control or or not make Himself obvious if He wants us all to believe in Him? Wouldn't it be easier if He just showed up on the scene and presented Himself to all of us so that we would all believe? And and in my video on YouTube, I responded in two ways. I responded to the Christian and I responded to the non-Christian. And, and, and I think these are important distinctions because based on how you are expecting God to reveal himself and, and how you are expecting to hear and understand God and maybe feel God, and, and also based on what you've heard growing up in the church or not, is going to change maybe a way to, to help you understand why God might seem so distant. And so I, I think from the Christian perspective, 
we have to understand this idea of doubt. That doubts cause us to feel distant from God. When we start to doubt God's existence, then these doubts are, are causes are, are, are coming from different ways that we respond and different ways that we think. And oftentimes, as I mentioned in the video, we simply have a feeling that God is far away, right? We are feeling down. We are feeling lonely. We are feeling in a certain way. And I said that in those times, we need to hold true to the promises of Scripture, the promises where God talks about how close he is to us, the promises of Scripture where God says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We can talk about the Psalms, right? There's Psalm after Psalm where David talks about the closeness of God and how God is always there even in the difficult times. And so I think in those times we have to understand the simple idea that, look, if I feel like God is distant and I am a believer, then that is my feelings tricking me into believing something that simply is not true. That God has promised that he gives us our Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that he is so close to us. And so if I feel like he's not, is because I'm trusting in my feelings more than I'm trusting in the promises of Scripture. And we have to constantly remind ourselves of that. Now, also what we have to think about is that there are different reasons why we might reject God and different reasons why we think that God is distant. And, and I listened to a great presentation by Brett Kunkel from Maven, where he gives a talk, Doubting Your Doubts. And this is such a good talk because he gets you to think about three different areas that we struggle in, and it causes us, causes us to doubt the existence of God or the truth of Christianity. And so the first one is emotional. And he has you write down what are different emotional responses? What are different emotions that you feel about the church, about Christians? And then as the students write down those responses, then you start to think about, sometimes we feel distant or we feel distant from God because we've been hurt. The church has just hurt us. We have been hurt by Christians. We have been hurt by someone, and in, a, in an attempt to, to not be hurt again, we seclude ourselves. We isolate ourselves. And when we isolate ourselves, we're also isolating ourselves from God. That it is so important, and some of my students asked me just in class yesterday about the importance of going church. Do you have to go to church? I said, well, I don't think it's a salvation issue. If, you, you know, if, you're, if you're injured or something, you have to stay home and watch it on TV or watch a live stream or something of church. I don't think that's a problem. But if you have the ability to go to church, you should. Church is the place where we are supposed to have that fellowship of believers, where we come together, where we can be encouraged by each other, hold each other accountable, be in relationship the way that God designed us to be and worship God together. And when we begin to isolate ourselves from that, we are isolating ourselves from the fellowship of believers. We're isolating ourselves from good quality friendships, and that starts to drive a distance between us, our friends, and God. And so oftentimes we have been hurt by the church and we start to pull away and God starts to seem distant. And in that time, we have to realize that what we are doing is we are pulling ourselves away from God. God is not being distant. God desires that relationship with us. We need to move back into a place where we can begin to tr go back and trusting in what God has done. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right, This idea of don't neglect to meet together. Encourage one another. And I think that when you are starting to doubt the truth of Christianity, when you are starting to doubt the existence of God and God is starting to feel distant, one thing we need to ask is, have I started to neglect meeting with fellow believers? Because in my life, I think this verse is so true, that when I am constantly meeting with believers and being encouraged by them and encouraging them, that my walk with God feels awesome. Right? When I'm reading the Word, I'm not neglecting the reading of the Word, I'm not neglecting meeting with fe- and fellowshipping with believers, God feels so close and so real. So I think that's something that we have to think about is if we think that this God is so distant, God is so far away, it feels like he's not even there, we have to start to think through what are ways in which we're responding. Have we been emotionally hurt by the church? The second reason why people may feel like God is distant is that they have an intellectual objection. And in this, I would encourage you, as the talk that Brett gave, was write down all the questions you have. And then seek after really good answers. It was so much fun. On Tuesday night, I went to a youth group down in Long Beach, and I spent two hours answering questions. I was supposed to give about a 30 to 40-minute presentation, which I did. But that presentation was constantly interrupted for a good reason. They were asking so many questions that we ended up taking about an hour, hour and a half to do the presentation, and then about 30 minutes of Q&A afterwards. And these students had so many questions of how do we understand the Trinity? And and can God make make a rock so big that he can't lift it? And how do we understand loving people? And how do we stand tolerance? And how do we understand, uh, how do we know that God exists? And what about scripture? And there's so many awesome, amazing questions that they had. And oftentimes we can have intellectual rejections of God. We can have intellectual difficulties of why God would allow evil, which is a question that comes up every time. And when we don't search for answers, that question can start to eat away at us, where then we start to realize or we start to think, maybe there are no good answers. Maybe, maybe this can't be answered, and it can, that can start to make us start to doubt Christianity. We start to feel more distant from God. And at this point is when we need to step out and we say, okay, I have some questions. Where are some good answers? And to that, I would encourage you to check out my YouTube channel, to check out my website, to write in with your questions on Instagram or Twitter or or wherever through text message and the contact I gave you before. Go to str.org. Go to crossexamine.org. Go to these websites, Reasonable Faith. Go to uh, reasons.com or reasons.org, reasons to believe with the science questions. Go to these different websites and these different organizations that have extremely smart people that have answered these questions. And I think that when you start to have your intellectual objections answered, then that starts to give you confidence and that starts to clear up this confusion that may have allowed you or or caused you to feel like God is distant. And I want you in that time, and if you're encouraging someone who's going through this, help them think about where what they are doing in order to get their questions answered. It's interesting, uh, Frank Turek uh, co- constantly says this on his radio show and in his talks, but he asks a simple question. I think it's so revealing. And the first thing is this, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Is 
the 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 truth of Christianity something important to you? Is truth simply just something that is important to you or to the person you're talking to? And I have asked this question and had people flat out tell me, no, it's not important. I'm not going to do it. And in that time, answering their intellectual objections is not going to help you. And so if someone goes, God is so distant, God feels far away, I don't think that Christianity is true. And you go, well, if, if it was true, would you become a Christian? And they go, well, no. Well, then answering those questions and trying to help them understand the distance of God is, is not going to do a whole lot. And at that time, we just need to, we need to pray for them. We need to continue to be friends with them. We need to continue to be there for them. And oftentimes, when that person goes through some sort of life difficulty, guess who they may reach out to? knowing that you're going to be there if you've continued to build that relationship. You know, a question came in through Instagram, and I, and I haven't really responded to it because I didn't directly completely understand it, and I'm trying to get some clarification, and I haven't gotten it. But, but the question was kind of like, why, why do people have to go through difficulties before becoming a Christian? When I don't think that's necessarily always true. Now, it's possible that we often think it's true because when you hear testimonies, people generally don't share testimonies of, I grew up in a Christian home, I became a Christian at a young age, and life has been pretty good for me, right? And that's kind of my story. I went through probably, well, I did. The first time I experienced death was my grandma just this last December. I went 30 years of my life without experiencing the death of anyone close. My parents are still married. Life has been pretty good. And so we, we often forget about people where that's the story. And we, we think that it's normal that you have to go through something difficult before you can become a Christian. Because that's oftentimes the testimony that we hear. However, at the same time, we ask, well, why does that have to happen? Well, sometimes people just have to have to, they have to hit rock bottom before they realize their need for a savior. We often believe that we can just do it all on our own, that we got it under control. I am in control of my life. I am the authority. I don't want to have to ask anyone for help until we absolutely have to get help. And then we reach out and we call out to God. And I've had conversations with my high school students like this, where seniors that are getting ready to go off to college, they still kind of think they rule the world and they're going to do whatever they want. And I've, and I've flat out said to some of them, I said, look, I hope that before you leave this school, you can learn that you need to obey some rules and that you have to follow some basic ways of living in order to be successful. I hope that it doesn't take you getting fired from your first job. I hope it doesn't take you uh, getting uh, uh, um, kicked out of school, expelled from the university because you don't show up to class and you just skip classes. I hope that doesn't have to happen to you before you realize that you need to do things like show up to class and, and turn in your work and do what you're supposed to do. I hope you can learn that you need to just do what you're doing without having to go through that difficult situation. But I remember telling one, I think that you might be someone that has to go through that difficulty, that you're not going to figure it out until you do. And sometimes, yes, we do have to just go through that absolutely traumatic event before we realize, wow, I actually do need a savior. I do need help from someone. And before that, people may not be searching after the truth. The second question that Frank Turk follows up with this, and I think it's so good, is, is think about all of the people who are not Christian in your life, the people who are maybe anti-Christian, the people who are asking the question, uh, uh, why does God feel so distant? Why isn't God there? Why doesn't he reveal himself? All those kind of questions and objections to Christianity. And then he says, ask this question, of that person, would you say 
that these people are honestly seeking after God, that they are in a relentless pursuit of truth? Or would you say that they're more apathetic or even hostile? How many people who are raising these objections, who are not Christians, are on a relentless pursuit of truth? Or how many are mainly just apathetic? I think this is a wonderful question. And for me, for the most part, I would say apathetic, right? Very. Some people say, well, yeah, I care about truth, but you know, I don't, I'm not really going to study it right now. I, I don't really care right now. And this is going to be this intellectual objection is that we oftentimes have these intellectual reasons, but really it's just kind of apathy. We just simply don't care. It's not that we actually care about the intellectual objections. We're going to bring those up because we want to maybe sound like we have an intellectual objection, but simply it's just, I'm apathetic. I just don't care. I'm not on a relentless pursuit of truth. And so we have to ask that question. If it's us that is having doubts in God, and you think there are intellectual doubts because we can't understand why God would allow evil or this kind of stuff, the question is, are you on a relentless pursuit of truth? Are you constant? Are you searching out for good answers in trying to overcome that objection, to answer that question and go back to having this confidence in God? Because I think, that when those questions are answered, when I answer questions and, and concerns that I have about God and Christianity, I feel so much more confident in knowing that God is good, that he is there, and that he hears us even when I feel like he doesn't. Now, to go on this similar idea, but a little bit different, is for me, I have to constantly think to myself of what do I expect God to do? Because if I am expecting my own personal miracle, if I am expecting my own personal uh, uh, answer to prayer, if I have to have this certain thing, if I have to hear God's voice, if something has to happen in my life in order for me to believe that God exists, for me, what that says is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not enough. That the miracles that Luke talks about in the beginning of Luke that he wrote so that Theophilus would know that what he has been told is true. The miracles that John ends with at the end of John, saying that all these things have been written so that you may know that Christ is the Son of God. Right? In 1 John 5, where it says that you may know that you have eternal life. This is based on the person of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And so if I am coming from a place where I need more, I need to hear God's voice. I have to have a miracle in my life. I have to see something for myself. This goes back to the conversation I recently had with J.P. Moreland on scientism and secularism. That scientism, this idea that if I don't see it, it's not true. So I have to see it for myself. I have to experience it for myself. It has to be seen, tested, heard, felt by me in order for me to know it's true. And what I would say is, no, that is a false idea. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is enough. Amen. It is enough. That's all I need. The testimony of scripture of what Jesus has been done is enough for me to say, I know that Jesus is God. I know that he, Christ, he was raised from the dead. I know that I too will also be raised from the dead and I can have confidence in my eternal life if I put my trust in Jesus. I don't need anything else. Right? And this goes to the skeptic as well of when we ask that question of, of, of okay, okay, you haven't seen enough. What would be enough? What would convince you that God exists? Now, it's interesting because the last time that I asked this question, I was actually asked the question first by a skeptic of what would convince me that Christianity is not true. And I said, uh, I think a few things. I said, if you produce the body of Jesus, then the resurrection would be false. 
is that if you show that the Christian idea of God is logically uh, contradictory, that God can't exist, therefore he wouldn't exist. And also, I said, if you show me that a better, a w- different worldview better answers the questions of reality. Because I think the, the reason I'm a Christian is because Christianity best explains reality. It answers the problems that Jesus actually answered and, and responded to the problem of sin. It answers things. So if you show me that a better worldview more accurately describes reality, then I would think that Christianity is false. But I responded and I said, oh, and actually the atheist said, oh, wow, those are, that's a really good answer. I think oftentimes we go, well, nothing would ever convince me. But if I responded back and I said, what would convince you that God does exist? And I couldn't get an answer. And I could, it kept pushing to other questions. And I said, no, come back. Please tell me what would convince you that God exists? And I couldn't get an answer. Oftentimes, again, there is no intellectual reason that would convince the person. They're not on a relentless pursuit of truth. But oftentimes it's like, well, if, if God just, just showed up right in front of me, then I would believe. Really? So, so if a person just showed up in front of you, right in front of you and said, I exist. And, and guess what? I'm right here and I am God. You're going to believe they're God? And when I ask my students this, they go, oh, well, no. Okay, well, what would that person have to do to convince you they're God? Well, they have to do something crazy, like a miracle. Yeah. So, so what kind of miracle? Well, like, you know, start floating or something. I said, wouldn't well, do you think it's just magic? Well, maybe. But, oh, if they did something super crazy and I knew it wasn't magic, then I would believe. It's like, so kind of like what Jesus did where he came and he walked on water and rose himself from the dead and fed people with, you know, a little bit of food and healed blind people, healed lame people. Kind of like what Jesus did. And how did the people respond to Jesus? Some believed, but not everyone. They ended up killing him. Right? Just because someone shows up in front of you and says something, if you are not committed to the truth, if you're not open to changing your perspective, I don't think that there's anything that will convince you. But at the same time, and I've written an article on this, and I'll post it in the show notes at coffeehousequestions.com. At the same time, I don't think that's what God wants. God, I think, could show up in a way in this world that would get everyone to say, God exists, to admit that God exists. But that's not what God wants. God doesn't want people to say that he exists. They want, he wants people to actually believe in him, to love him, to trust and be in a relationship with him. Right? There's a lot of people that may say, oh, yes, Ryan Polly exists, but I don't have a relationship with him. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want to just show up in a way that convinces us that he's there, but he wants people to accurate, to, to, to genuinely seek after him and to search for him and to find him. Just think about when you have not lost your phone. It's just always there. It just becomes a normal part of you and you, just don't, you don't even think about it anymore. The moment your phone is kind of lost and you have to search for it, all of a sudden that worry, that, 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 that feeling comes over you. I think it's in a similar way that that God is partially hidden, that we have to search for him, that we have to look for him, that we have to continue to build that relationship for him. He's not just this extremely obvious part of our life that we just don't even, and then we don't even think about anymore. But I think a good question is simply to just ask, what would convince you that God is actually there? And I think that some atheists have been very, very bold in what they've said, in the sense that they have been very or honest, in the sense that they've said, look, in order for God to exist, or, or to me to believe that he would, uh, does exist, that he would have to, you know, speak from the heavens and open up and uh, shine down and everything. And then they would, then they stop and go, well, no, but then I would think I was, I was crazy, that I was just seeing a vision. Right? Some people, it doesn't matter what it is, they simply just will not believe. Again, 
may not be on a relentless pursuit of truth. It may more be apathy or simply hostility. That even if Christianity were true, they would not become a Christian. And so this leads us to our last thing of that maybe God seems so distant and so hidden because we just have a volitional rejection. So we have an emotional rejection. We also have intellectual rejections. And simply maybe we just have a volitional rejection that we just simply want to do something else. And for this, in Brett's talk, he, has, he tells the students, write down a few sins, a few of your main sins. What are the things that you struggle with the most? And oftentimes, it's because of the sin in our life. The things that we would rather do instead that can drive barriers in between us. Over the years, I've, I've asked my students these questions and asked them why they don't believe in God. And, and when I go talk to students, and, and two conversations stick out the most. One student a few years back, I, I said flat out, if I admit that God exists, I'll have to stop doing the things I want to do. That is huge. And that is so telling that this student has these things that he wants to do, whatever they are. And these things are not permitted, are not going to be good. They're, they're inappropriate behaviors according to Christianity. And he knows that if he accepts Christ, he needs to stop doing these things. And he's not willing to stop doing them. So why does God feel so distant? Well, maybe because you have driven a barrier between you and God because you would rather do this rather than worship and follow God. Very recently, just within the last few months, a student told me that that he will not believe in God because it will it sh- it will probably change his life and people will look at him differently, right? That that he has this image. It's possible that he has this image. What it sounds like that has to be upheld. That people look at him in a certain way, and if he believes in God, if he becomes a Christian, it's going to change his life. He's going to start living differently and people will look at him differently. And maybe it's pride. Maybe it's a sense of of worth or whatever it is that's going on inside. That is more important than following Christ. I think we have examples of this in scripture where Jesus flat out says, you know, you have to give up these things. You, You have to give up certain things and follow him. And some people were willing to give up the things in their life and follow God knowing that Jesus is worth it knowing that he is more important than the stuff. And some people just walk away in sadness because they could not get rid of their stuff. They could not get rid of the sin. They they could not stop doing the things that they want to do. And this leads us to simply just a volitional rejection. The students maybe for the first time get freedom in college and they just want to go out and party and they want to have sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend and they want to do the things that they want to do. And by rejecting God, by, by distancing themselves from God, it kind of takes away a little bit of, the, of that feeling of, uh, of guilt. If Christianity is not true, well, then I can do these things. And so I'm just going to say Christianity is not true so I can keep doing them rather than recognizing what is most important. Jesus really is most important and how we are called to live by him. And so we sometimes intentionally or unintentionally, I think, drive a barrier between us and God because of our sin, because of the things that we want to do rather than follow God. So if you're at a place genuinely seeking after pursuit, you're on that relentless pursuit of truth, you're genuinely seeking after God, and you're wondering, why is he so distant? that I think that when we ask these questions, when we get our questions answered, when we, when we begin to trust in people in the church and building those relationships again, and we flee from evil 
and turn to God, that God responds, he answers, and he draws near to us as we draw near to him. And the promises of scripture says that then he fills us with his Holy Spirit. We can know that we are saved. We can know that he is near and that he will answer when we call out to us. That is my interview I did with Craig Hayes in a few uh, podcasts back, that when that we can pray fearless prayers and God will respond when we pray with right intention, when we are praying and seeking after him. And so I hope you are encouraged by this, that God is not distant. He, call, he tells us that he is close, but there are things that we do that drive distance between us and God. And we need to think about these things as we ourselves or for our friends that we are dealing with and helping them understand these objections. Thanks to all of you who downloaded and listened to the show today. I really hope that you enjoyed it and were encouraged by it. If you were, I would appreciate you going over to your podcasting app, giving it a rate, sharing it with your friends and family so they can be encouraged by it as well. This coming Tuesday on the 14th, I will be interviewing Dr. Fuzz Rana from Reasons to Believe. He is a biochemist that has done research on evolution, human origins, Neanderthals, and the human genome. And so we're going to be covering all of those topics in our discussion. So if you have questions on those issues, send them in to contact at coffeehousequestions.com, write in at facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, at ryanpolly3, or text them in at 714 989 6927. Hopefully you enjoy that discussion that we're going to be having as well. Enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend. Have fun. Enjoy life. Love God. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Ryan Polly with Coffee House Questions. I just won't hesitate to follow your love will guide my way.